Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Hello, and welcome to Authentic Living. You know, I'm really excited today about our guest, Kevin Tedeschi, who's going to be talking to us about dream interpretation, one of the subjects that just carries us to the depths. Kevin holds an auspicious position of executive director and CEO of one of the most prestigious spiritual institutions in the world, Edgar Cayce's Association for Research and Enlightenment, or ARE, and the Atlantic University. He's been both a student and a teacher of Edgar Cayce knowledge and material for more than 30 years and has lectured all over the world and has authored 20 books, some of the most well-known of which are his most popular book, Edgar Cayce on the Akashic Records, which has been translated into seven languages, and Edgar Cayce on Soulmates, Edgar Cayce on Soul Growth, and Family Karma, The Hidden Ties That Bind, as well as his most recent book, Edgar Cayce on Vibrations, Spirit and Motion. Today, we're going to be tapping into his enormous knowledge on dream interpretation, for which he has a world-renowned reputation. He's the author of two definitive books on dream interpretation, Dream Images and Symbols, which is a dictionary of dream symbols, as well as dream interpretation and more made easy. One of Kevin's primary missions is to help people understand their own responsibility for bringing in a new age of enlightenment. In so doing, he demonstrates his unique ability to explain complex subjects in a straightforward and easy-to-understand manner. And that's what we want to challenge him to do here today as we talk about dream interpretation. Kevin, thank you so much for giving us your valuable time and energy to help us understand more about dreams. Andrea, thanks for having me on the show. Oh, so glad to do it. So let's get down to it. I think the first thing we've got to understand for our listeners on a very basic level is what is a dream? Can you help us sort of define a dream? Well, uh, basically when we go to sleep, uh, put our thoughts aside and lay down and go to sleep uh, for the evening, our subconscious mind comes alive. And basically all the symbols and images and thoughts and ideas that we've been wrestling with during the course of the day have the opportunity to, to play themselves out. In fact, Edgar Casey often suggested that that uh, dreams essentially contrast and correlate the events of the day for the most part and give a, our subconscious mind another way of looking at things. So that's really what dreaming is all about, trying to reconcile what's been going on in our life. And even if we don't work with our dreams, they can be a very helpful process. We've all had the experience of going to bed uh, anxious or worried or unhappy or upset about something, and after what we call a good night's sleep, we wake up feeling refreshed and fine. And what has generally happened is the subconscious mind has come to some resolution about the problem, and we feel better. Even if we don't necessarily remember our dream, we just feel better for having gone through that process. Casey would say, of course, that just imagine how much more helpful they would be if you remembered what you dreamt about and what the resolution was. But just going through the process can be helpful as well. Okay. Okay, so on the subconscious level, our mind already knows what the solution is, though consciously we may not know what the solution is. We feel better. Uh, oftentimes, absolutely. Okay, okay. All right, so a dream is sort of a, um, 
uh, recalling of our daily routine and it's and the struggles we have, conflicts we have, internal conflicts we have in a day, that sort of gives us more information about that more subconscious information about those things. Absolutely, more information about our relationships, our finances, our work, our our health, even. Uh, okay. In addition to that, the, the deeper recesses of our mind can also tap into our evolving futures. Uh, Casey suggested that uh, all of us uh, dream about our future before it happens. In fact, he suggested that nothing of significance ever happens to us without it first being foreshadowed in a dream. And as unusual as that may sound to some of the listeners, uh, we've all had the experience where we go somewhere and we think, wait a minute, I've already been here. Or we are about to have a conversation with a friend and we think, wait a minute, I've already had this conversation. And Casey would suggest that very often what happens is we dream about something before it occurs, and then when it's occurring, we think, wait a minute, this has already happened. So lots of times the, the concept we call deja vu is actually fragmentary dream recall. We've dreamt about something, but we forgot about it, and it, it's kind of beneath the recesses of our conscious mind and comes to mind when it's in the process of happening. Okay. So if you, I know you can't really make a percentage out of this, but if you had to say how many of our dreams were prophetic as opposed to how many of them are just symbolic, what would you say? I would say it depends on the dreamer and the dreamer's uh, ongoing work with their dreams. But okay. uh, let me phrase the question another way. I would say lots of times when I teach students dream interpretation, the question usually comes up, are, do all dreams mean something? And my answer is, all dreams mean something. Sometimes it's not something very important, but all dreams mean something. So that, mm -hmm. for example, if you're a student and you're studying for midterms and you're way up past your bedtime and you decide to order a pizza before going to bed because it's late and you're hungry and you eat that pizza and all night long you're dreaming about uh, World War III, it's not necessarily a precognitive dream. It's instead suggesting your digestion's at war. Yeah. <laughs> so all dreams mean something, but it is oriented to what's been going on in your life, your worries, your concerns, your health, uh, your physiology, all those things. Okay. So very, a lot of information we can get from just tuning in, paying attention to our dreams. Right. And it, it comes with experience. For example, I know a woman who, uh, whenever she dreams about a clock or a watch or anything with uh, time, related to time and some kind of an instrument, she re generally recognizes it as a past life dream. I, on the other hand, whenever I dream about an, an old place I used to work years and years ago, about 20 years ago I had a dream about that place, and then six weeks later something happened, something very positive. So now whenever I dream about that place, I usually write it down and think, okay, something related to this thing I'm worried about in my life or hoping for is going to happen in about six weeks. So to me it's become a symbol of time just based on my experience with the symbol. Okay, okay. So whatever experience we have with actually interpreting our dreams helps us to interpret them better. Absolutely. And, I mean, that's why sometimes dream interpretation can be so challenging because when we're trying to help someone else with their dreams, we too often try to put our own symbols uh, on, on the dreamer's imagery, and it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. To be sure, there's archetypal symbols that mean the same thing to people across time and cultures. Like, for example, water is, is generally a symbol of spirit. Uh, or emotion. Uh, but if you were a three-year-old girl and you nearly drowned in your parents' swimming pool, uh, and now you're an adult, when you dream about water, in all likelihood, it, it, it is not suggestive of spirit or emotion. Your personal experience has, has taken uh, 
place with what the archetype might be. So I had a woman once who had a dream about her grandfather, uh, grandmother, and my grandmother was a very dear, uh, perfect grandmother character to me, whereas her grandmother was extremely controlling and uh, negative. And so when, lots of times when someone tells me a dream about a relative or a friend, I'll say, describe this person to me in one sentence. And then that way you stay away from trying to take your sense of what this kind of a character is like and instead use the dreamers. Right, right. So obviously you've written a dream dictionary, and it, what you're saying here is that you don't intend for people to apply those uh, symbols across the board in a, a very generic way. You want them to sort of play with the images and get Play clearer. with the images, absolutely. And also that dream dictionary, for some symbols they may have as many as 10, 15, or 20 different interpretations. It depends on uh, the dreamer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Okay, so would you say that your method and, and Edgar Casey's methods of interpreting dreams are similar to that of Carl Jung? I would say they are similar to that of Carl Jung. I would say that uh, the, the two things I learned more than anything else from Edgar Casey were, one, that the dream interpretation is always shorter than the dream. I mean, sometimes somebody tells you a dream and, by the time they finished it, interpreting it, it's much longer than the actual dream that took place. So the dream interpretation is usually always shorter. Mm-hmm. The other thing I learned is that the easiest way to interpret a dream, even a convoluted, complicated dream, is to try to sum up the action in one sentence. Someone is running from something. Something that is happening to someone. And if you can isolate all the action basically in one sentence, you can come very close to interpreting the dream. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I find that when sometimes people are talking about their dreams in therapy, they will actually s- interpret their own dreams in a sentence that they don't even realize they're interpreting their dreams. And I just sort of say the sentence back to them, and they go, oh, my God, that's what the dreams tell me. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun process to watch. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And it, when people realize the information can come from themselves, it can be extremely helpful. Uh, I've, I've done lots of work in high schools interpreting helping young people, high school students, interpret their dreams. And they're amazed at how their dreams give them guidance, talk about their personal issues, things that they're working, working on or, or working with, and they can be very helpful. Okay, okay. Well, in your book, Dream Interpretations Made Easy, you say that there are at least four ways to interpret a dream. You've got symbol interpretation, theme interpretation, interpreting by emotional content, and analyzing dreams through life events. Can you explain these different uh, kinds of interpretation? And I realize that in the middle of your explanation, we may need to take a break, but we'll pause. That's right. We'll we'll take them one at a time. Okay. Uh, Let's do the emotion one first. Okay. Uh, Essentially, I'm convinced that uh, if you can isolate an emotion in a dream and figure out how you feel that same way in waking life, what's making you feel that happy, that worried, that sad, that anxious, what is it that evokes that same emotion, you'll know what the dream's about. Uh, one example is uh, a number of years ago I got a call from an individual in New York who had dreamed about work. Uh, he had been very upset by the dream. He wanted help with interpretation. Basically, this was the dream. He was at the top of a, a building, a downtown skyscraper, and everyone else there was from work. They were having a barbecue. Everyone had a plate of barbecue in one hand and perhaps a drink in the other. He was talking to all these people from work. And all at once he looks down and notices that he's totally naked. And he became very insecure about the fact that everyone would realize he wasn't wearing anything. 
And, and that was the end of the dream. Well, I mean, the emotion in the dream is essentially insecurity or fear, and all these other characters are from work. Uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to assume that this man is insecure about something related to his job. But, but rather than throwing that on him, I asked him instead, tell me about your job. And he said that he was a stockbroker, had been doing that for a number of years, and had traded firms about six months earlier. And he said, uh, but they do things a little differently here, and, and sometimes I don't feel like I'm catching on as fast as I should. Well, I point out that in the dream, no one else noticed he was naked, that it was his own fear and not the fear of anybody else. And so his insecurities were really his own and not necessarily shared by the company. Yeah, so he wasn't being judged. He was just feeling afraid. He yeah. was just feeling insecure, exactly. So that okay. was one example of emotional dreams. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And we're going to come back and talk more about those same ideas, symbol interpretation, theme interpretation, in just a moment. We'll be right back. This is Andrea Matthews with Authentic Living. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance to expect guidance, to trust, and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor and sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor and sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back thanking me for my concerns and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network.
You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, we're back, and we're talking with Kevin Tedeschi today with regard to dream interpretation. And what we talked about just before the break was uh, interpreting a dream by its emotional content. And I want to, we we said there were four basic ways with uh, emotional content, life events, theme interpretation, and symbol interpretation. And we're going to let Kevin tell us more about emotional content and then move on to the other three. Okay, great. So uh, essentially the idea is that if we can isolate what emotion is being portrayed in the, the dream and then figure out how we feel that same way in waking life, we'll generally get an idea of what the dream's about. So in the dream we just discussed, essentially the individual was somewhat insecure about his job, and the dream was really trying to ins- uh, reassure him that his insecurities were his own and weren't necessarily being shared by his coworkers. So another approach to dreams is really to... Uh, try to look at uh, current events, what's going on in my life, and then trying to correlate those current events with the dream images. One of the examples that comes to mind is there was a, uh, a gentleman in his 30s who uh, was really trying to face a decision. And the decision was uh, he had always dreamed about starting his own massage business where he would uh, work for people, either go into their homes or start his own office and have people come and get a massage. And he really wanted to do that. He was interested in the healthcare fields, and he uh, enjoyed giving massages. He thought he could be a really good professional massage therapist. He had the training. Uh, on the other hand, he was w- really worried about finances and whether or not he could make enough money. And he had been offered a, a job at uh, a, co- a company, an office, basically an office job that was full-time. And he was trying to figure out what he was supposed to do. This was the dream he had. He dreamed he was sitting in the living room, looking out the front window, and all at once he saw a little girl, uh, maybe five or six years old, playing on his front lawn, and all at once a uh, office supply truck came up, parked next to the little girl. Two men got out of the truck, grabbed the little girl, put her in the back of the truck, kidnapped her, and drove away, and that was the end of the dream. Mm. And when he told me the dream, and uh, we talked about what he was trying to decide in his life, I tried to explain to him how the dream was really illustrating what the ramifications of his choice were that the little girl symbolized his baby, the massage business. And the office supply van was showing him that if he took, took the full-time job, his baby would be kidnapped. In other words, if he took the full-time job, he would never have the opportunity to have a massage business. And the, the imagery was just trying to present to him that aspect of it so he could make the decision. Uh, he decided to go ahead and, and then try to become a massage therapist. The dreams oftentimes present our choices, uh, current events, in another way that we can look at them to try to get other insights into what we're trying to decide. Okay, okay. Uh, another uh, that's really uh, important, in fact, it's the, it's the way I, I work with all dreams, regardless of this, whether it's with emotions or current events or symbolism, or, uh, it's really the theme, trying to isolate the theme uh, down to one sentence. And I'm sure listeners will hear that there's a good connection between all these various ways of doing it. They all overlap. But in terms of a theme, I was giving a program once, and a young woman got up probably in her 20s, 
said she had just been married and she was kind of uh, shaken because she had had a dream that she felt like was telling her not to have any children. And the dream was that uh, in the dream she and her husband had a, a little child and the child was very ornery in the corner crying and they were trying to get the child ready to go to uh, a family gathering of some kind at her mother's house and the child didn't want to get dressed, didn't want to go, was you know crying and screaming. So she wrestled with the kid and put the clothes on it and just was crying and sobbing, throwing a fit. Took it out to the car seat, still crying. They get to the mother's house and it kind of sulks in the corner. Uh, and the whole time it's just throwing a fit. And she said, uh, my husband and I have just married recently and I just get the idea that we're not supposed to have children. And I said, well, the dream to me really, the theme is someone is being a baby. I mean, pretty clear that's what's going on in the dream. Someone's being a baby. And since the most logical choices are the woman who's telling me the dream or her husband who's not there, I'm going to pick her husband. And I, I asked her, since the dream also shows going to family gatherings, I said, how does your husband feel about going over to family gatherings? And she says, oh, he hates it. Uh, I used to always like to go over to my family's house, but he doesn't like to go. If I can talk him into going the whole time, he just kind of mopes in the corner. He just doesn't really like to go at all. And the rest of the audience, of course, had got it by this time. And, and I said, do you get the idea sometimes that he's being a real baby? And then she kind of got it. I said, you know, the dream has nothing to do with, with children. It has to do with how your husband's behaving in an issue that's very important to you, family gatherings. So the someone that was being a baby was her, her husband, and she really needed to talk to him about the importance of that aspect of her relationships, her family. So mm -hmm. theme. Another approach is symbols, to try to uh, look at the imagery in a dream and to come up with what each symbol means to you. And one of the ones that come to mind is a, a woman had, in her 40s told me this dream that her grandmother gave her this birdcage bird in this dream. But in the dream, she realized the birdcage was much too small for the bird that she owned, and she didn't know what to do. Well, a birdcage can be a symbolic of, uh, you know, control, structure, uh, some kind of parameters that someone has encroached on someone. A bird is generally symbolic of freedom of some kind. Uh, what I don't know from the imagery is, is uh, what her grandmother symbolized. So I asked her, I said, uh, what does your grandmother symbolize to you? And she said, my grandmother was the most critical person I ever met. Well, the dream was suggesting to me that the criticism that her grandmother had placed on her all her life, that she had outgrown it. Uh, the bird, her own personal sense of freedom, is bigger than the cage. It won't fit there anymore. And that she's moved beyond the uh, low self-esteem, the criticism, all the negative images that her grandmother had pushed upon her. And she had really come into her own, and she had really gotten beyond that. And I think that's what the dream was about. So again, a symbol is simply a an image of some kind, uh, oftentimes what it means to us, that's a personal symbol. Uh, another kind of symbol is a cultural symbol, uh, what it means to a group of people, a society, a culture. So for example, in uh, the United States, a black cat is usually symbolic of uh, you know, bad luck. Uh, however, if you have a little black cat that you really love, then your personal symbol would take precedence over that. But culturally, a uh, black cat is bad luck. Uh, culturally, a dog is friendship. Culturally, the Statue of Liberty or the flag is liberty or independence. Uh, other countries have their own cultural symbols, too. So, for example, in Egypt, a scarab or a beetle uh, is really symbolic of good luck. And if you go to Egypt, you'll see all these beetles all over the place that are for sale, stone beetles. 
because the Egyptians consider it a symbol of good luck. In Japan, Mount Fuji is seen as a great accomplishment. So if you dream about Mount Fuji, you're going to have some kind of a great uh, goal achieved. In South America, if you dream about a funeral, it's symbolic of somebody in your family is about to get married. Uh, I'm assuming it, it suggests that some part of your life is over. So every culture has its own symbols that don't necessarily mean the same thing to other cultures. And then we have archetypes, archetypes that mean the same thing across time and cultures. And uh, one example is the symbol of an older person. Uh, it could be a symbol of wisdom or your higher self. But you have to take a dream in context so that if you dream about an old person with sharp teeth trying to run after you and eat you, it's probably not symbolic of your higher self or wisdom. Uh, it just depends on the imagery. But just with practice, you can get a sense of, not only what your personal symbols mean, but how many symbols you actually know about. In fact, uh, a bird is generally an archetype of a messenger. Any kind of a bird is a messenger of some kind, and then it's the type of bird means something, so that we all know that uh, a dove symbolizes love or peace, a vulture symbolizes death or the end of something, uh, a rooster symbolizes a new beginning or the dawn of a new day, a sparrow can be the symbolic of the arrival of spring, and we all know that somehow, but we didn't know that we knew that we knew that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so archetypes can come into our our own individual dreams and tell us about a sort of cultural motif, or they can also be telling us about something that's very individual-specific to us. Absolutely. In fact, Edgar Cayce suggested that we're actually wired for archetypal imagery through our spiritual centers, that the the seven endocrine glands in the body have a symbol associated with them, uh, and that somehow uh, during a meditation or during a, a dream process, those different endocrine centers can be sparked or nudged somehow, and the images associated with each of those can come to mind. Okay. Well, can you tell us more about those seven those seven? Sure. They're, they're actually in the Bible, in the book of Revelations, and also in Ezekiel. Uh, the symbol of the gonads is a... Uh, cow or a calf, uh, the symbol of the, what Casey called the uh, cells of Leidig is a, uh, a human figure of some kind, a man, symbol of the adrenals, which is the third center, center is usually a cat or a, a lion, uh, the symbol of the uh, fourth center, the thymus, is usually a bird or an eagle of some kind, those are the four lower centers, those are the four beasts that Ezekiel saw in the Old Testament, those are the four beasts that St. John saw uh, in the Isle of Patmos when he was sitting near the throne of God and saw the four beasts come up and bow before the throne. Those are the really symbolic of the four lower centers that have to become subservient to the higher self in, in our own process of soul growth and development. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's very fascinating. So, all right, now let's talk about the collective itself. For example, I know that um, lots of people dreamed about 9-11 before it happened. And uh, so can you say more about us as a collective? I guess we'll have to do that after the break. And uh, so I'll ask that question again after the break. All right, great. And this is Andrea Matthews, and this is Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. We'll be back in just a moment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network.
Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. web at skillsusa.org. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back. This is Andrea Matthews with Authentic Living, and we're talking today to Kevin Tedeschi with regard to dream interpretation. And I think we have a caller, Kevin. Her name is Patty from St. Miguel. Patty, you have a question for Kevin? Yes, I do. I am just starting my first classes with AIHT, and my very first, I just finished my first chapter um, in the book Inner Work, and I'm at Dream Interpretation. So I had this incredibly lengthy, fragmented dream, and I was wondering if he had a moment to help interpret. I don't know about a lengthy fragment, but I'll give it a shot. If you could summarize it for us. Okay. Yes, I'm going to go very quickly through it. Um, I was with a group of girls, and one in particular, it was a group for uh, some sort of club 
for an interview at a hotel lounge, and one girl that I was with was a girl from my grade school that I hadn't seen for 30-plus years and wasn't really close with, nothing, haven't even thought about this person, and here she was right there, bright red hair, and while I stepped away from the group of girls, I came back and I went to take a sip of my beverage, and she... And there was something bubbling in it, and I looked, and she had put a pill, and she was going to (laughs) hurt me. She put a pill in my drink to make me (laughs) miss whatever we were waiting for, whatever group meeting we were waiting for. And then I was crying, and I was stupefied. I was just shocked. And then I was at the top of a huge sliding board with a stranger, and we were going down on burlap sacks, through this old building in New York City. It it curved through floors and dropped into sub-basements and slid around corners. And at the bottom, there were all of these different hallways, and I went out and then drove away in this old car back through these old city streets, very narrow, very tight, very tight corners with garbage cans and docks and a water, like a canal beside me. And then I saw a friend who was driving on the other side of the street, and I was trying to wave, but they just looked at me and didn't even recognize me and kept driving. And I felt this this heartache, this loneliness, and was parking in this parking lot and raced into a school, and I was late, and I didn't know where I should be, and I raced into this class, and I sat down. It was packed. It was a large lecture room, and there was no one that I knew. There were all of these people I didn't know if I was in the right class, but I felt once the um, people started passing around books that this was the class I wanted to be in, but I didn't know if I was registered. didn't know. It's a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, and that's my dream. Okay, great. I mean, lots of those are normal images and, and issues that come up whenever we're involved in something uh, new or a school activity or a group thing oh. of any kind. Uh, to me, basically, it's suggesting that old old fears, old worries, old things that you hadn't thought of in a long time, old insecurities that you kind of put aside are resurfacing, things like, uh, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Why am I here? I don't feel prepared for whatever it is that's going on in my life right now. I'm too busy for all these other things. And to me, it's just a bunch of old worries and concerns that are resurfacing as you're either trying to make changes in your life or do something different or go out on a limb and try to take classes, even while you're doing all these other things. It, it suggests you're too busy, you've got too much on your mind, and some of your old worries are coming back to the forefront. Fantastic. And then just a very quick question. In that, what would be the key points that you would pull, or, or what do I want to say, the key symbols or something like that, just the, the fragmentation? or What, what you mean? How, how do I know that? Or yeah, Pretty much, yeah. Well, I mean, all the things you talked about, I mean, the old, uh, the, the old girl that you didn't really care about, uh, someone you didn't feel comfortable about, and the hallways, the uh, sitting in a classroom and not feeling like you're registered, everything, all those things are about personal insecurities. Okay. So there's all about personal insecurities, and there's things about not feeling prepared, don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now, why am I here, and it's not offering a solution to what's going on in your life. Instead, it's representing your emotions while you're trying to make changes in your life. Okay. 
So it's, it's not a bad thing, and it's not telling you to be aware of something. It's instead re-mirroring back your, your worries uh, with, with, with all that's going on in your life right now. Fantastic. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you for calling in, Patty. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, well, that was a real good example of how you sort of coalesce that information. And I want to go back now to the collective and talk a little bit about what is it when lots of people in a, in a country or a nation or a world dream the same images? What is, how, how does that happen? Well, uh, there, there's lots of ways to answer this question. Let me answer it. And the reason it, there's lots of ways to answer it is, is it really depends on the person. But let me answer in general. In general, the universe does not pick us out, isolate us somehow, give us a uh, massive thing that's going to occur and give us a dream and somehow expect us to do something about it. And generally when people dream about something like 9-11, we had a similar experience when the uh, Alfred P. Murrow building, I think it was, in Oklahoma got bombed a number of years ago. And uh, we had lots of people calling after the fact with dreams feeling guilty somehow, and 9-11 as well, feeling guilty that they had this dream and that somehow they were supposed to do something about it and they didn't know what to do. That is not why we have the dream. Mm -hmm. Instead what happens, uh, and I'm pretty convinced this is for most people, that when we go to sleep, we go through uh, the various levels of our mind and different people refer to them in different ways. Uh, Carl Jung called it the unconscious mind and then uh, the... Uh, the, the unconscious, the uh, collective unconscious. Uh, Casey talked about the subconscious and the superconscious. This is what I think happens. I think that a person falls asleep, and then whatever is bothering them in their waking life or whatever is occurring in their waking life, they retain that, that thematically, and they tra travel to the higher recesses of the mind. So that, for example, when the World Trade Towers went down, I had a number of people call me after the fact uh, about that, dreaming about that, and every single one of them was on the verge of worrying about losing their job, losing their job, or already having been laid off from their job. And essentially what happened was somehow they knew at one level that their job was about to be destroyed or their company was about to be going out of business, so they went to the higher levels of their mind and picked up on a massive employer. I mean, the, the bottom line was the World Trade Towers were employers. The people went to work there. Mm -hmm. And they picked up on the fact that this was about to be destroyed and brought back that imagery because it symbolized something that was going on in their own life. It was not about somehow they had to notify someone. It was just reflecting back a personal experience. Now, that's not to belittle the fact that they really picked up on psychically something that was going to happen. Instead, it's to point out that when we do that, most often it corresponds with something going on in our own life, and that's why we're able to pick up on it psychically. Hmm, that's interesting, that connection. Now, that said, I do know that on rare occasions people pick up on something and there does not seem to be any connection, and sometimes they get even additional information about it, and those people really feel called to do something about that, and sometimes they call and they want to know what are they supposed to do. Uh, Edgar Casey always would say, uh, when you can do nothing else, you can pray. You can pray. Pray for the person. And I'll tell a quick example that's, that's not, of, not as major as the World Trade Center or anything, but it certainly it was meaningful to me. 
Uh, about 25 years ago, I had a, a bad relationship breakup. I broke up with a fiancé, moved here, figured we would never speak again, moved to Virginia Beach. And uh, I just severed ties with this, with this woman, and we didn't speak. And it was very bad on my part and not a good thing, but at the time I felt like we were doing the right thing. Well, about nine months passed, ten months, uh, maybe even a year, and I kept dreaming about this person, dreaming about her. And I had, I felt so bad, I didn't feel like picking up the phone or anything because I felt like, well, that's not going to work. I can never do that. Uh, so I just started praying for her, and I prayed for her every day because I kept dreaming about three or four times. I just surrounded her with prayer, surrounded her with prayer. And about three or four weeks later, I was at my office, and the phone rang, and I picked it up, and it was my former fiancé, and she said, uh, I've been thinking and thinking and thinking about you. She said, I have a horrible problem, and you're the only person in the world I can think of that can help me. And I felt like the dream gave me enough of a connection to pray for her, and the prayer gave her enough of bravery, I guess you might call, to call me, and we were able to help her with her problem. She came to Virginia Beach, and we talked about it, and not only solved her problem, but healed our breakup. We still broke up, but now we broke up as friends. So I feel like when you don't know what to do, you can always pray for the situation and the person, and somehow you might be able to see your way through after that. Yep, and I wonder how many people who had those dreams did say prayers about those dreams because, and because there were obviously so many um, miraculous things that did occur in spite of the horror of that day. Yep. Um, so there, I mean, you could wonder. you could have had four or five times as many people in those buildings. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I happen to have been one of those people that dreamed about that, and I was not going through a job transition at the time or anything like that. But I did know when I woke up that that dream was not just about me. I really, mm-hmm. uh, I even said that as I was talking about it to somebody else. So, um, and it happened about two weeks before it actually occurred, and then when it occurred, that dream immediately came back to me, and I was like, oh gosh, this, I dreamed about this. So it was a real, um, it, it really made you feel like you were connected one with the collective in that, in that regard. And, of course, I do believe we are. Yep, absolutely. Well, okay, so let's talk about, can people have past life re- uh, recollections through a dream? Absolutely. Uh, but, again, most often they have a connection, they have a past life dream, but it has a connection to something going on in the present. Uh, so, for example, what, what ha- is that the music again I'm it, hearing? Or? Yeah. I think okay, so we, we'll, we'll wait to answer this for when we get back. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's our cue to get out for the break now, and we're going to do that. This is Andrea Matthews, and you're listening to Authentic Living with Kevin Tedeschi. We're talking about dream interpretation. We'll be back in just a moment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, 
we can help others evolve too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, (laughs) she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, (laughs) no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. (laughs) Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And this is Andrea Matthews with Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. And we're talking today with Kevin Tedeschi about dream interpretation. And just before the break, I asked if people could have past life recollections through a dream or a dream series. And you were just about to answer that question when the break came. So can you help us with that one? Sure, absolutely. We often have past life dreams, and generally this is when they occur. Let me give you an analogy. Lots of times people tell me they have dreams about, uh, for example, going uh, into their school and they're staying in their school locker and they can't remember their locker combination or they're sitting in an English class and the teacher's passing out a test and they didn't know there'd be a test that day. Well, those dreams in adulthood don't mean that we have unresolved issues with school. Instead, what it suggests is that uh, those are symbolic of times when I didn't feel prepared for something. And so the dream is suggesting that right now in the dreamer's current life, he or she doesn't feel prepared for something. So the subconscious mind goes back through our life history and looks for a time when we didn't feel prepared to bring the same kind of experience to mind. So we dream about the school because we're not feeling prepared in the present. That's exactly why past life dreams work or how they work. That something's going on in our present, perhaps a relationship has reappeared, perhaps an issue is resurfacing. Something's going on in our life that has occurred before, not necessarily this life, but previous lives. And what happens is the soul mind goes back along the soul's journey 
and looks for a similar experience in the soul's history to bring to mind the fact that something similar is about to occur. That's exactly how past life dreams happen. And is there a difference in the quality of past life recollection dreams? It's, it's individuated, so that lots of times uh, people have dreams that they're dreaming about people that it's not them. They see characters that's not them. Other times people dream it in uh, context in terms of the history. They'll see themselves in, as an Indian. They'll see themselves in ancient Egypt. They'll see themselves in Greece. Casey suggested that whenever you dreamt about the same culture or period uh, or place in history over and over and over again, you could be sure it was a past life dream, indicative of a past life. Okay, okay. All right. <clears throat> Lots of people say that, you know, the only way to know is by, the, by how real it seems. And, and you're saying that there's more information to be had about past life recollection through dream than there is, than it is, that well, you can it, get it, from it, that. I think it's too, it's too individualized to answer the, the question that way. Okay. It just, it depends on the dreamer. And the more people work with their dreams, the easier it is to recognize, okay, that's a past life dream. Okay. And so working with our dreams is exactly what we're talking about today, and I would encourage our listeners to really begin to write down their dreams and, and sort of just play with the images as they come up. And, and part of that process is, can be had through looking at uh, the ARE website, which is edgarcasey.org. Can you tell us a little bit about what people can get about dream interpretation on that site? Sure. If they go to Edgar Casey and it's C ayce.org, we have a, a great dream archive. I think there's about 3,000 dreams I've interpreted there that post the dream and then it, my interpretation. In addition to that, we have an Edgar Casey Dream Dictionary. Uh, he gave read, about 14,300 readings. 800 of those readings are dream interpretation readings, and so lots of his dream symbols are on there. Uh, we have books on dreams. We have the Edgar Casey readings approach to working with dreams. We have an article on Casey on dreams, and then an article I've written called uh, Dreams as Guidance to Life's Questions. So whether you're a brand-new dream interpreter or just want to get more involved, I think the dream material, which is available to everyone, is a great way to start, edgarcasey.org, and then just type in dreams on the search site. Okay, that's wonderful. I'm wonderful. So do you have any other recommendations for what people can do to get in touch with the images? I, I sure do. I, I think keeping a dictionary is, is uh, keeping a dream, personal dream dictionary is very helpful. Uh, you dream about the same symbol over and over and over again and then see what it means to you. I personally found a unabridged dictionary, one of the best dream dictionaries I could come across. The unabridged dictionary are the ones that are very thick. And the reason that was so helpful is because it has a lot of uh, uh, ways of using words in a sentence like if you look up fish, it'll talk about how you can word, use the word to be, say something's fishy, uh, how fish can be symbolic of Christianity. So it's, it's, a great, it's a great tool for big dream interpretation to get started. Uh, another thing is we have a uh, dream discussion network on, uh, on MySpace. Uh, if you go to MySpace and type in uh, Edgar Casey or ARE, you'll come to our dream pages. You can be involved with other people involved, interpreting your dreams. I would suggest, in addition to keeping track of your dreams, to try to incubate a dream. Casey suggested you could write out a question and then dream on it and see what your dreams came up with as the answer. That's another great thing to do. And then there's always dream books. Start reading other people's dream books just to get a sense of what uh, others have written about the topic. Uh, for me, the, the, uh, there's a book by Robert Vandekassel uh, called... Uh, 
well, I think it's called Your Dreaming Mind or Dreaming Mind, but it's Robert Van de Castle. It's the history of dreams and dream work, and it's an amazing book that I would, Our Dreaming Mind, that's what it's called, Our Dreaming Mind. That's a great book as well. Okay, okay. So and then if, if people want to, my dictionary is uh, Dream Images and Symbols. They can get it off of ARE's uh, ARE bookstore site. Okay, okay. So lots of different ways to sort of get more information, but also to work with the dream itself. Absolutely, and I think the best way is practice. The more you practice, the easier it becomes. Mm-hmm. And I've, I know you're, you can say this too, I've heard lots of people recommend that if you keep that notebook or that journal right beside your bed so you can get to it real fast, the dream doesn't fade before you write it down. Um, Absolutely. And some people, sometimes I recommend, you know, sometimes people say, that, well, they wake up and they know they dream something, but they can't remember what it is. The worst thing to do is to try to think of the whole dream before writing it down because as soon as your left brain kicks in, your right brain is going to kick out. Instead, the best thing to do is just start writing. I remember dreaming about orange and just re-experience it as you're writing it down or whatever it was you were dreaming about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good information. Very good information. Okay. Well, let me ask one more question then. Okay. Uh, real quickly, what is the difference between a metaphorical and a literal dream? Well, uh, a metaphorical dream is generally a symbolic dream and a literal dream is you're dreaming actually what happened. Uh, and... Lots of times, it, it, the answer is it depends. Let me give you a quick example. I was teaching a class of uh, students a dream interpretation, and back to back, it was an interesting uh, semester. And in one class, I had a student have this dream where she opened the fridge, and every shelf of the fridge was uh, filled with orange juice, every shelf. Well, to me, it was literal dreams suggesting she needed more vitamin C or more orange juice in her diet. Another student, the same exact semester, the different class, so they didn't hear from one another, he opened the fridge and there was nothing in it except at the bottom where it was all empty, there were crumbs and there were a bunch of cockroaches swarming around on the crumbs. Now, I don't think it was a literal dream telling him to eat cockroaches. <laughs> Instead, it was symbolic to me, metaphorical, that his diet consisted mostly of garbage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so lots of times from logic you can decide whether or not a dream is literal, like the first one, or metaphorical, like the second one. I see. Sometimes I see. it takes a passage of time to figure out. And if we have time, I can tell a quick example. Sure. A woman called me. She was an ARE member. Uh, we offer membership, uh, magazine, all kinds of ways to get involved online or in your mailbox or in the local community. She had this dream where there was an earthquake. Her house was destroyed. The lights went out. And she was trying to find her husband and her children in the dark to... Uh, save them from the earthquake that had just happened. And she called ARE to see if Edgar Casey had ever uh, said there were places that couldn't have earthquakes so that she could move there. She wasn't calling for dream interpretation. She was sure she had figured it out, their house was going to have an earthquake. Mm -hmm. And I tried to talk to her about this difference, sim symbolic, metaphorical. Well, it turned out six months later that out of the clear blue, her husband came to her and told her he wanted a divorce. Mm -hmm. And she was in the dark about how to keep her family together. And her subconscious mind knew it, before she did, that the ground upon which her marriage was built wasn't stable. Okay. Great information. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for being on our show today and giving our listeners so much information about dreams and dream interpretation. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on the show. Okay. And next week, we're going to be talking to Joan Anderson about uh, taking second chances to find your authentic self. This has been Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We'll see you again next week, and in the meantime, 
Remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network.